This is the Community Matters When Disaster Strikes conference call. We apologize for audio difficulties. The beginning portion of this call was cut off, so you'll be joining in the middle of our first speaker, Abby Hall. Thank you. Last thing I'll mention is that right now we have a very clear technical assistance opportunity available to community, states, and tribes nationwide through um, a technical assistance program here at EPA. It's called the Smart Growth Implementation Assistance, or SGIA program, and um, the call for applications is open now until October 28th, and you can find that on our website, and I actually put a link um, to that up on the Google Doc that you all have a link to right now. Um, and we have a category set aside for helping communities plan for disaster and climate change resilience. So um, if any of you all are looking to get some of this assistance, that would include EPA and some of the design experts and, and urban planning experts we hire, as well as bringing FEMA in, um, there's a call for applications out there right now. So um, I'll wrap up there, and I'll, I'll look uh, to pass it on to the next person and look for any questions that pop up on the Google Doc or that get mentioned later. Great, thank you, Abby. That's um, a really great overview of the work that, um, that you're doing at a federal level. Um, I'm going to hand over now to Matt Dixon to speak about some of the work that they've been doing in Greensburg, Kansas. Matt Dixon, do you want to take it away? Thank you, Bonnie. Hey, welcome everyone this afternoon to the call. This is Bob Dixon, Mayor of Greensburg, Kansas. Uh, just a little history on the at 9:45 on the evening of May the 4th of 2007. Our community was leveled by an EF5 tornado with sustained winds of over 210 mile an hour. We uh, lost 95% of our buildings that were leveled to the ground, both residential, uh, commercial, downtowns, hospitals, schools, churches. Uh, basically, the whole community was gone. In the midst of losing 11 lives that we sorely miss and we memorialize daily, we were blessed with a tremendous opportunity to build a community back and to change some of the things that had been going on for decades in our community, uh, systematic problems that we've had as, as a rural community, not unlike any rural community across the United States, we were getting older in age and losing population because we weren't providing opportunities for youth to come back to the community. Having the name Greensburg gave us a tremendous opportunity to utilize the brand of being green and sustainable. And at first, uh, we got a little pushback on that because of the perception of what green really is and what sustainable is when in fact that's what uh, our ancestors have taught us. They were the original green sustainable people because they understood the concepts of living within your mean, means, being environmental stewards, of, of uh, being caretakers of the environment. So we, in the rebuilding and planning process, we wanted to make sure that we implemented the, the, what we learned from our heritage, but also to utilize the modern technologies that are available out there to be a truly sustainable community. The first thing we started out with was community meetings to identify our values of who we are, not what someone else tells us we are. 
And when we identified those values and what vision we wanted our our community to look like 50 to 100 years from now, and basically the question is, what kind of community do you want to leave for future generations? And sometimes in the midst of a tremendous disaster, we let the realities of today cloud our vision of what we really want tomorrow to be. Because it's not about us, it's about those future generations. So as we were talking sustainability and implementing green building practices and thought processes of how can we consolidate and maximize resources available through uh, rebuilding of school, churches, the downtown area, implementing all those sustainability issues of the ability to endure and the ability to continue in existence. We didn't want to just be a surviving community. We wanted to be a thriving community. And in that vein, it's about the community itself. And elected officials and government officials cannot just be the total uh, lead uh, direction of where the community got to, is going. They... The community has to have input, and when the community has that input and that buy-in to it, then it makes it so much easier for elected officials and leaders to take those values and that input, set the priorities for their each uh, organization, whether it be school, hospital, city, county, etc., and implement a total strategy that is best for everyone involved. We've been asked many times by communities, well, post or pre-disaster, how do we plan for a disaster? You know, that's very difficult because we never know what disaster is going to happen. But my contention has always been that the best thing you can do is make sure within your community you have the ability to have conversations, you have the ability to communicate within all stakeholders in that community prior to on any issues that you have. Then when a disaster happens, you already have the framework of being able to communicate with each other, so then you can address problems. As Abby said earlier, there, the with EPA and FEMA, there's tremendous programs out there to uh, that you can utilize but also those are the agencies post-disaster that will come in and help you with the nuts and the bolts of it. But as a community, you have to have that infrastructure internally that is the, the human infrastructure to be able to deal with those day-to-day -day things of the planning, of the recovery, of being there for each other and sharing uh, great ideas, and also at the same time being able to cry together, to grieve together, and move forward. We were able to do that through the series of public meetings that we held in a big tent that first summer because we had nowhere else to meet. And that's where our long-term recovery plan and our sustainable master plan were developed. We would have in this small community four or five hundred people show up at weekly community meetings for the visionary process. Uh, that is one of the most rewarding things for me that has happened in the, in the uh, post-recovery process is the community involvement and the community uh, input 
in in that recovery process. Again, I thank you all for being on. I look forward to questions. I think we do better sometimes at that than we do just uh, uh, giving a, a oration about where we're at. But that gives, in a nutshell, what we have done here in Greensburg, Kansas. And I'll turn it back over to you, Bonnie. Thank you, Matt Dixon. That's an incredibly inspiring story, and uh, I, I think the work that you've done speaks for itself in many ways. Um, I want to just check and see if Daniel has joined the call. Are you on the line, Daniel? Yes, I am. I apologize for being late. Excellent. Welcome. Um, so to close out the, the three speakers today, we have Daniel Homsey, who's director of San Francisco's Neighborhood Empowerment Network. Um, Daniel, do you want to give a, an overview of the work that you're involved with? Absolutely, and it's uh, it's absolutely a real honor to follow on this call, um, Mayor Dixon, because uh, so it's, uh, it's a real tribute to the spirit of cities and community, uh, what they've done in Greensburg, Kansas, and uh, 